This is an MPT Magazine podcast. For more information, find us online at www.mptmagazine.com. Born in Carlisle in 1948, Denise Riley has been publishing her poetry since the 1970s and her works of feminist and philosophical prose since the 1980s, treating such topics as motherhood and identity and language. She has taught a wide range of university level subjects, including art history, feminism, poetics, philosophy, and creative writing. She has served as visiting fellow at Birkbeck College, the A.D. White Professor at Cornell University, and writer in residence at the Tate Gallery. Her manifold interest and areas of expertise are exemplified by her current position as Professor of the History of Ideas and Poetry at the University of East Anglia. Singling out her previous poetry titles, Marxism for Infants and the astonishingly varied and ambitious Mop Mop Georgette, the Forward Arts Foundation commends Riley as the UK's best answer to the New York School Poets, a movement whose riotous running together of art theory and philosophy with everyday speech and pop culture has been one of the dominant trends in poetry over the last half century. Riley's latest collection, Say Something Back, includes the multifaceted elegy on the death of her adult son, a part song. In Kate Kellaway's words, Riley is robust about frailty in this elegy of several tones, but never hushed, reverent, or docile. Say Something Back also contains commissioned poems about a long stay in hospital and poems commemorating the dead soldiers of World War I. For Steve Burt, the book offers not unrelenting, but unrelieved mourning. And it is not something you should pass up. Many poems began as responses to other poets and artists, such as Heinrich Heine, Francois de la Rochefoucauld, De Neruda, Yeats, Blake, Wordsworth, Shelley, biblical writers, the painter Michelangelo Antonioni, and the singers Little Eva and Johnny Nash. Asked how her approach has changed over the years for a Shearsman interview, Riley replied, the only constant is a commitment to the thing that is song. This is in some way linked to the persistence of hope. Then as I get older, this whole business of song only becomes still more mysterious. It is a plain, bright mystery. Thank you very much for that, that generous introduction. Um, and um, it's really an honor for me to have been invited here to support um, the Korean number, so to speak, of modern poetry in translation, <coughs> which is a journal I've read and admired for very many years, and his work can only get more valuable. I was, apart from what I've managed to read on the internet, I was in great ignorance of the state of contemporary Korean poetry and the introductory work that the journal has done for the rest of us ignoramuses is really terrific. And in the light of that, it's a real privilege for me to be able to read tonight as a support and a warm-up act for Don Me. Um, so I'm really grateful to Sasha and to Don Me for um, having me to, to do this. 
I've arrived flustered and out of breath because I was caught up and delayed on the, the stoppage on the westbound central line this evening. Don Mee, on the other hand, I gather, has just arrived from Seattle. She seems to me to be a model of lucidity and tranquility. <laughs> so um, I've been asked to read for about um, 20 minutes, and I will start with a light, um, a light and maybe timely weather piece, late March. Rye day, winter, of you, we've had enough. And I have had enough of sniping memory or strappy agapanthus leaves in sleet, gone orange at their tips, weak leather. This charged air has a keen and whitish feel that stings a little, but has gaiety. So, human you, I'll hand you back to your own camouflage. Not as bleak weather, though, you might. And now I'm going to, for the moment, um, flip back to a piece from 1991 um, called Leibach Lyric. And I'm flipping back to it. Partly because the question of rising nationalisms is on all our minds. Partly because the topic, so to speak, of this particular longish piece um, is the disintegration of the former Yugoslavia into its component parts. The title, Leibach Lyric, uses the old German name for Ljubljana, and the poem starts off with what you'll hear as falsely decorative, prettified Slavonics. It goes on to a reportage of a brief visit of mine there to a verbatim account of an agitated London meeting, I think of the former Bosnia Solidarity Campaign, of people who were differently displaced from what was called the former Yugoslavia, um, and would be invited then to take on new national identities to uncertainty about the writing watches stones. So um, it's a piece which offers a kind of core resolution, but again a false one, by practicing, rehearsing thoughts of a kind of archaic, nationalistic, and personal um, self-descriptions, as if these were founded through a wound. So, Leibach lyric. The milky sheen of birch trees stepping forward. Breathless, the deeper woods. Goldfinches rattle down through branches, leap and sparkle off to dusk. Below a massive cloud this evening, a faintly orange light slides on your lifting smile. Afternoon's blue winds dropped, now wreaths of raspberry smoke pat the steady sky. Cream fields chat quietly, careless of distant provinces and the guns of rebels. Whooping cranes rise where herdsmen clattering wheel about the plains in scarlet. Cut. 
the Slavonics. Now, cut the Slavonics. Slovenian and all other civil planes are off. The Federal Air Force has the skies sewn up. The snows come early. Austrian lorries slide across the mountain pass in slow, veers sidelong, skate gingerly to fates, grand destinies dreamily chosen. Entering Yugoslavia, we aren't there. We're straight into Slovenia instead. Late at night, frozen, instantly crazy, with obsessive and terrible tenderness again, unable to find my passport. Napoleon, sauveur of Illyria, whose monument in Ljubljana spells out in gleams of gold calligraphy, our liberty. Here, videos of the summer bombings entitled The Triumph of Slovenia or How a Nation Awoke, erupt in paper jackets showing fighter planes with yellow extension lead cables, mortar smoke on stalls with T-shirts, logos of the state. The country restaurant pipes its first time go at national music to its dining rooms, unclear what that should sound like. Un par Bavarian results, mortifying to the city friends who disconnected speakers, drawing down a ruddy glare of sausages, peasant style. Rain darkens the fish-scale roofs of the provincial capital. In London, temporary exiles meet, some in despair about their forced new names, others worn down with dislocation, with explaining histories to well-meant, local, ignorant, even-handedness. <coughs> One girl calls out, This time last year we none of us knew or cared. The cars streamed down all summer to the Dalmatian coast from Serbia. And so what? Did I grow up for this, to take new designations, learn to hate my neighbours just because of where I came from, which I never used to know. The last war stopped before my mother's birth. Who says I must be Bosnian now? I grew up Yugoslavian. Just stop this craziness, these killings. Another Older says, It is a lie that walls are coming down in Europe. We see them rise and we are penned inside. The deaths of 20,000 make me this that I don't want to be. But that blood loss means I must take that name, though not that politics must be, no, not a nationalist, yet mm, ambiguously Croatian must be it through the dictates of those deaths alone, which should all, should look forward, must rebuild. She stops, I'm seeing present history, glance round it for support. I'm hearing it at work to stammer its imperfect story, go on too long, be conscientious, grab at straws, then reach its 
edge of tears. I'm not these, never could be, am by accident of place of birth protected. Yet exactly as this nation sheltered onlooker must try to think, the room splits into clumps and fights. Outsiders now move off, get back to native non-community and across real distances made semi-manageable through irony. So that I'll say I've stood here as a dark stand of trees still sealed black, outwardly silent but vibrantly loud inside with others gossip about itself like the unconscious. And I leave as I might leave a party whose guests were venomous yet inconsolable, deliberately straightening my shoulders and saying aloud, although to nobody in particular, it's good to get some air, the usual spectator's cocky journey home through stupidness. This evening's tongues go scrapping on till dawn. The settling scar agrees to voice what seems to speak its earliest cut, a rage to be some wholeness gropes past damage that it half recalls where it was I will found my name. A hesitant gap now stretches its raw mouth. I will become this sex and Istrian and still at night, hair dazzles in white lights from flares. A greenish patina may roughen these spent shells for future curious songs. Now people and their resonant cities are obliterated. What is it that shapes us whether we will or know that through these opened and reopened mouths that form the hollow of a speaking wound, we come to say, yes, now we are. Illyrian. I'll go on and continue with some pieces from uh, Say Something Back, a recent collection. Starting with maybe, maybe not. When I was a child, I spoke as a thrush, I thought as a clod, I understood as a stone. But when I became a man, I put away plain things for lustrous, yet to this day squat under hooves for kindness, where fetlocks stream with mud, shall I never get it clear down in the soily waters. Under the answering sky, I can manage being alone, can pace out convivial hope across my managing ground. 
someone might call later. What do the dead make of us? That we'd flay ourselves trying to hear them, though they may sigh at such close loneliness. I would catch not my echo, but their guarantee that this bright, flat blue is a mouth of the world speaking back. There is no depth to that blue. It won't bring the principle of darkness with it, but hums in repose as radiant static. When we cry to thee, stout voyager, put out to a black sea, I had no mother, yet still I have become one. Marine, I'm sick inside this single darkness. Inky swell, carry me, hymns ancient and modern. Boy us up though I am faithless. Silent did depart. A spirit casts no shadow. True of the filmy dead, not of a living creature tapering itself to an obelisk. Rocky mute, life's too serious for this not speaking. Don't be stuckered so hard over any humane seepage. What had been churning round in that ardent pillar, you'd not have dreamed an upright man could petrify, drape my anointing hair at the feet of superb cement, all hindsight shakes itself out vigorously like a wet dog. With child in mind, and here the child is um, child the compiler of the collection of border ballads. And when he came to the broad river, he took off his coat and swam. There were reed beds, whistling, smoke burning somewhere on the rainy wind, far along the sobbing wind. Get away with you now. Listening for lost people. Still looking for lost people. Look unrelentingly. They died is not an utterance. In the syntax of life where they belonged. No, belong. Reanimate them. Not minding if they're still living. Turn away casually. Winds ruck up its skin so the sea tilts from red-blue to blue-red into the puckering water. Go his ashes who was steadier than these elements. Thickness of some surviving thing that sits there, bland, its 
Ernest gone, nor does the idiot howl, while I'm unquiet as a talkative ear. Spring heat, cherry trees, fresh bronze leaves fan out and gleam to converse with shades, yourself become a shadow. The souls of the dead are the spirit of language, you hear them alight inside that spoken thought. And another thing, some new arrivals coming whose name may not be happy attended. Childishly lovely ones to listen to anyone new, as if even the oldest harm was outgrown as a liberty bodice, does sifting through damage ease or enshrine it. How grasp a past but not skid on embittered accounting. The ledgers exhibit their black surplus malice and red lack of tenderness while suffering easily gets competitive as each suspects hers was the rougher lot yet feels shy out of shame at her history that won't dovetail with her present. Hoist personalised flags, though they're so stiff with encrusted blood, they'd first need a good sousing in tears, forget that. Could the years have been easier if you just settled early on, hating a sex instead, although which one of them to begin with? Sleeked up your plumes to swan out and ruffle your usual vexes of dailiness? Filed reports to the muses via cicada surveillance on men who weren't wrapped, only dozing in warm grass at noon, lulled by music to dreaming their sonic enchantment is virtuously militant, a sparkly art stance, plus a strong civic end in itself. It's late. You must live as you can, which is all we ever did. Boxy piece, which is the only um, piece I've knowingly written directly about the business of writing, boxy piece, exhibit of small boxes made from wood to house their thought and each an open coffin of the not dead with their churring, satin lined frames stacked square in blocks nested to a columbarium then mumble closet doves whose fond carpenter drills piercings for more air won't let you flap catastrophic thinking it will to be ordinary easy as rain sifting through woods but doubt shrouded that mind skewing its aim at mildness, fires were lit, and sap hissed in young branches torn down by anxiety, contorted to shield itself, biting 
its angry hands. It smoked out each transparent joy. It strode well away from its heart. Darkness absorbs any mind once it starts calling itself unwanted. Lines starting with a quotation from La Rochefoucauld, who writes, It is more shameful to distrust your friends than be deceived by them. Things in themselves do hold a pot, a jug, a jar, sweet williams, green shank shims, so that your eyes pulled clear of metallic thought by the light's constancy of things that rest there with you or without that gaily deadpan candor draws you on your will to hope quickens in their muteness a man quote was stood there unquote which is really a, a, a thinking aloud about why it was that in English was stood or was sat so quickly have come to a place sitting and standing a man was stood there. <coughs> On pitted sand, the urchin shards fan out, but the watchers braced in shingle, wet grip, scraping around ankles, rammed in an undertow, rack fronds whipped on skin, as he senses himself, raced faster than pebbles, grinding toward the rising water, while his feet stream out behind him in a moonwalk. He'd get rushed backwards just by standing still. He'll muse, catching a tiniest roaring underfoot. But what thought does he find in that sound? Or purely his dizziness on being rolled away from the sea as one lost to his naturally rocky balance that he'll recalibrate now at the core of a man being stood. An awkward lyric. It sits with itself in its arms, out of the depth of its shame. It starts singing a hymn of pure shame, surging in the throat to hold a true note, could be everything, getting the hang of itself would undo it. I'll read a little Eva which incorporates a line or two from the lyrics to the locomotion um, which was originally performed by the singer Eva Boyd who was always known as Little Eva. Little Eva, time took your love now, time will take its time. Move on, you hear but to what howling emptiness 
the kinder place is closest to your dead, where you lounge in confident, no motion, no thought of budging, constant in analytic sorrow, you abide. It even makes you happy when you're feeling blue, jump up, jump back. Flail on the spot. I can disprove this moving on nostrum. Do the locomotion in my living room. Never to disinter the pink companion. Wintry, so isn't everyone drawn to human warmth, if only by animal curiosity? Seems not. Then how pleasantly to give back his enigma of wordless absence to its real owner. Like a jacket he'd not realised he'd left behind. Worse, he had. Thanks a lot for another trip to the charity shop to confess my bafflement with grace. So, tolerant grace, though I've needed to call for you so often, please don't ignore my knocks, but uncoil from your couch and ease out of your door, smiling to me, mulish with a little scar literature. It is a very late form of love. And I will um, finish with um, a couple of pieces whose meter comes straight from um, the 18th century hymn writer Isaac Watts. You men who go in living flesh, followed by death, make stead metaphor revive. You men who go in living flesh, scour clean and drape your souls in plumy dress that they may rise, clear of those thrashing shoals of mackerel of the sea who call you loiterers on the strand to heed your future salted lungs pegged out to dry on sand. I was upright upon the field Another thing in the sea. Its light has washed my eyelid shut. Green grass floats over me. Hope is an inconsistent joy, yet blazes to renew its lambent resurrections of those gone ahead of you. Death makes dead metaphor revive, turn stiffly, bright and strong. Time that is felt as stopped. Will freeze its to, fro, fro to, song. I parrot under feldspar rock, sunk into chambered ice. Language the spirit of the dead may mouth each utterance twice. Spirit as echo, clowns around in punning repartee, since each word overhears itself, laid bare, clairaudiently. An Orphic engine revs, but floods choked on its ardent weight. <coughs> Disjointed anthems dip and bob down time's defrosted spate. Over its pools of greeny melt, the rearing ice will tilt, 
to make rhyme chime again with time I sound a curious lilt thank you We are very fortunate tonight also to have with us Sasha Dugdale, the editor of Modern Poetry in Translation, who is here to launch its Korean issue, The Blue Vein, and to introduce and share a discussion with the poet Don Miche. Dugdale herself is a poet, playwright, and translator, and has produced two acclaimed collections of Russian poetry in translation. In the 1990s, she set up the Russian New Writing Project with the Royal Court Theatre and the British Council, and has since translated plays for the Royal Court, the RSC, and other theatre companies. She's also published three volumes of her own poems, most recently Red House in 2011. Thank you. <coughs> Thanks for that introduction, which being basically just a continuity um, person, I don't really deserve. But I wanted to thank you all very much for coming along tonight and um, say a few words about modern poetry and translation, um, about this particular issue, and to introduce Don Mi Che to you. I'm, I can see from the audience, and this is something that's always quite particular about any um, event linked to MPT, that we have quite a community around the magazine and a lot of friends, and um, every event we do, the audience is filled with friends and contributors and um, translators and poets who featured in the pages of MPT. So I'm really delighted to welcome you here tonight. I can see contributors from um, quite close to the beginning of MPT's history and um, more recent contributors and it's really really heartwarming that people keep coming to our events and keep coming to to hear um, the poetry. For those of you who don't know anything about um, modern poetry and translation it was set up in 1965 by Ted Hughes and Daniel Weisbord. Ted Hughes had conceived of the idea of a magazine which published only poetry and translation and he got together with his his friend and colleague um, Danny Weisbord to make this a reality and he said of it that it would be an airport for incoming translations. When he began the magazine in the 1960s it was the height of the Cold War and a time of extreme geopolitical instability. He founded the magazine three years after the building of the Berlin Wall I think it's two years before the Soviet invasion of Czechoslovakia so it was a time when people couldn't take very much politically for granted. It seems to me increasingly that we're living in a time uh, which is pretty much the same. We have the same rash of proxy wars around the globe. We have the same sense of unpredictability and instability. And I think uh, perhaps not because of that or perhaps because of it, perhaps there's some sort of link between the two. I've also noticed in the last five years, um, in the period when I've been editor, there is actually an enormous interest in translation, in poetry and translation, and an increasing interest in poetry and translation. It strikes me that it now is something that most poets um, are engaged with and most readers are um, keen to seek out. And I'm just pleased that modern poetry and translation is still in existence to 
fill that role and to provide that service of introducing the British reading and writing uh, community to work from around the world. The issue that we've just published is called The Blue Vein, and in all the issues that I've edited, um, the, um, the magazine has a general section, which is poetry from around the world, but also a smaller coloured section in the, in the centre of the book. See, it's on beautiful blue paper, which is actually focused on a particular culture or language or theme. The theme for this issue is poetry from uh, Korea, I think the first point when we were kind of witness of the phenomenon that is Korean poetry was at Poetry Parnassus in 2012 when the poet Kim Hae-sun came across to read. Uh, Kim Hae-sun read with Seamus Heaney in the Royal Festival Hall and it was a um, beautiful and quite startling contrast. Um, she is really tiny and bird-like, isn't she? And she had... Um, she was reading in the Royal Festival Hall with a pair of sunglasses on and um, reading these poems which were just extraordinary. They seemed to explode out of this tiny, tiny woman on the stage. Poems of enormous grief and, and, and trauma, um, to my mind. We published in the following year a sequence of poems by Kim Hae-sun. She's also published in the UK by Blood Axe Books. She has a collection out uh, which is in Don Miche's translation. When we thought of doing a focus on Korean poetry, I must say that I wrote to Don Mi straight away because I couldn't conceive of doing anything about Korean poetry without her help and support and without her involvement. And I was really delighted that she said yes um, because it just couldn't have happened without her. Um, Don Mi has been published several times in MPT and I just felt utterly confident that anything that she recommended to us or sent to us would be revelatory and worth bringing to you. A little bit more about um, Don Mi um, and I'll just read also from something that Don Mi wrote, to us, wrote for us um, for the refugee issue which appeared last year. Don Miche is a poet, a translator, and an essayist. Um, and what is particularly interesting about her work is that these roles are very fluid and move between each other. So her poetry um, is full of prose, reflection, essay. Her essays are full of poetry. She actually graduated from art school, so visual image and visual presentation is extremely important to her books. Um, and particularly the most recent book, Hardly War, which has to be one of the most gorgeous books of poetry I've ever held in my hand, not to mention one of the most fantastic. I've been, I've been, I've been sending this out, recommend, recommendations to everybody I know. It's a little bit like underground literature. You sort of, once you've got it, you have to tell everybody you know to get, to get hold of a copy. Don Mi has published, as I mentioned, Kim Hae-sun. She's published a collection here and a collection, two collections in the States and is working on a third collection of Kim Hae-sun's poetry. And she believes um, that Kim Hae-sun, as, as I do too, is one of the preeminent um, poets of, of South Korea. I'd like to read um, very briefly a piece that Don Mi wrote for us um, and 
it was um, in, in the context of a refugee focus that we did last year, I asked Tommy if she wanted to write about leaving Korea, um, and she wrote the most beautiful piece of prose. So I thought I'd finish my introduction and um, hand over to Tommy um, by reading this short piece of prose. So this is about her father, who was a photographer. He sold one of his cameras to pay for my older brother's surgery, who was injured during his um, mandatory military service. He gave the South Korean government news footage of a student protest in exchange for the release of my brother from the military and a permit to leave South Korea. He thought then that he was saving us from a life of perpetual darkness. In 1983, my, scat my family scattered all over, as my mother said. My parents and my younger brother headed to West Germany, my sister remained in Hong Kong, my older brother left for Australia, and I went to the US as a foreign student to complete my degrees in art. In light, we all ailed from separation and homesickness. In light, we had to find a way to settle down, as my mother said. In light, we lived like birds. Dummy. Thank you very much. I'm very honored to be here. Um, thank you to MPT and Literature Translation Institute of Korea. Um, and also, it's a great honor to read after that very powerful reading by Denise Riley. Thank you. Um, I'm going to read um, Kim Hyesun's poems first. Um, and these poems are from her um, longer piece of work called Autobiography of Death. And I'll just read a few lines what she says about this new work. Poetry is a record of someone separating the I from I. Poetry endlessly separates the I from I, like the way language separates the thing from the thingness, the way death does. Autobiography of death is inside the world of parting. Through the parting from things, parting from oneself, parting from the world, I'm constructing death that confronts terrible deaths. Nemse, Sumuharu. <laughs> 메뚜기들과 잠자리들과 모기들과 풍뎅이들이 자취로 감추네 하늘이 슬금슬금 높이 달아나네 언덕들이 낮은 포복으로 달아나네 개구리들이 무덤 속으로 달아나네 전화벨이 울리네 전화보다 흑암을 먼저 받네 수화기에서 어둠이 흐느끼는 소리 달아나는 바람 소리 장대비 떨리는 목소리 샤워기에서 밤이 나오네 떨어지는 밤에 손을 갖다 대자 썩은 새들의 검은 피 죽지 않고서는 견딜 수 없는 이 냄새의 치세 죽지 않고서는 견딜 수 없는 이 광경의 질병 죽은 사람이 책상에 앉아 종이를 구기네 북극 사람들이 추운 겨울밤 곰에 가죽에 싸서 땅속에 묻었던 새들을 뜯어먹네 제 머리통처럼 냄새나는 붉은 새들을 
Smell. Day 21. Grasshoppers, dragonflies, mosquitoes and beetles hide. The sky slips, slips away high up. The hills roll down to the bottom. The frogs leap into the grave. The phone rings. You receive the pitched black darkness before the call. From the receiver, the sound of darkness weeping, the sound of wind escaping, the trembling voice of torrential rain. Night pours out from the showerhead. As you reach out your hand to the plunging night, the dead bird's dark blood. The unbearable rain of smell except in death. The unbearable disease of landscape except in death. Someone dead sits at the desk and crinkles paper. A cold winter night for the people of the North Pole. They gnaw on birds that have been buried in the ground wrapped in bearskin. The red birds that smell like their own heads. Pugom. Sumunahul. Onniga unda. Opaga unda. Sunso dero kaya hanande. Where nega monzo kani? De pangenen soju tubyong. Sumyonje hantong. Mokumangi apasa. Sumyonjero samkusuga opsoyo. Kudesa tamal mujayo. Suman mogaman omal tereo. Onniro tereo. Opparo tereo. Sumanjero mogodo, apa, 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 poksu, poksu, poksu. Tamsogesodo dunari toragayo. Ibul sogenen prun osulipko, chakamhan chongulden, kunindure hengyal. Umbu sogenen pepalsan dunaldri kulodanigo. Purojin pare kipsu sogenen kunine kuamdri sarayo. Kroke terenende, kroke chilanende. 저들이 우네요, 엄마가 우네요, 언니가 우네요, 동생이 우네요, 자식이 우네요. 꿈을 깨서 침대를 나섰는데 갑자기 안방에서 들려오는 엄마, 언니, 동생의 통곡 소리. 죽었다네요, 내가. This poem, um, autopsy, is about um, the May um, 1980 Gwangju um, massacre. Uh, many people, students and civilians were rounded up right after the massacre and they were tortured, um, thousands of them. And many died during that torture. So she's making a reference to that um, event. Autopsy, day 24. Sisters crying, brothers crying, why did you have why did you leave when it's not your turn yet? In your room, two bottles of soju and a box of sleeping pills. I can't swallow the pills because of my throat hurts. That's why I can't sleep. Whenever I drink, I hit my mom, hit my sister, hit my brother. Even if I take sleeping pills, it hurts, hurts, hurts. Revenge, revenge, revenge. My eyeballs roll back even in my sleep. Under my blanket, soldiers in blue outfits march with guns with bayonets. Bloodshot eyeballs roll about inside my genitals. The soldiers yelling lives inside the cast of my broken arm. They beat the shit out of me, 
they stabbed the shit out of me. Yet they're the ones who are crying. My mom cries, my sister cries, my brother cries, my son cries. I wake up from my dream and get out of bed. I hear my mom, sister, brother wailing in the living room. They say I'm dead. Dinner menu, day 29. There's no rice in mommy's rice jar. There's no, there's no money in mommy's purse. There's no fire in mommy's kitchen. Today, mommy cooks pan-fried hair. Yesterday, mommy cooked braised thighs. Tomorrow, mommy will cook sweet and sour fingers. In the kitchen, a knife bangs against the cutting board. In the kitchen, a bone steeps in broth. In the kitchen, thighs are deep fried. There's mummy inside mummy's rice jar. There's mummy inside mummy's purse. There's mummy inside mummy's kitchen. There's mummy beneath mummy's knife. Your mummy is that riverbank of your childhood. Your mummy is that trail of your childhood. When you go along the trail all along past the riverbank, Mummy's weak voice. My daughter, you've come, hurry, come in. When the door opens, an empty stove, cold air. In your mummy's kitchen, your deflated, hungry stomach is hanging on the black wall like a rusted frying pan. Tonight, you'll fry your mummy's hands in that frying pan. I'll um, read a bit from um, I'm Okay, I'm Pig, which is also the title of uh, Kim Hesun's uh, book that was published here by Blood Axe Books. Um, and this is also related to the Gwangju massacre and, and the torture, um, except it ha it, um, she uses um, the image of pigs. Um, someone embraces pig, then slaps its cheeks. This filthy pig makes me mad, filthy woman. Filthy, 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 I'm so filthy. I should have just lived in my dream. Why did I come here? Die, pig, why do you suck on milk? Why do you grow up? I wouldn't if I were you. Master comes and feels how thick your fingers have become, how your flesh has plumped up. I wouldn't grow up if I were you. Oh, there goes beloved pig, is chased out. Oh, one woman is trying to come out from pig. Don't touch, don't touch, don't touch pig anymore. Halved black pig, there goes a shadow hanging onto her. Bloom pig, has to die even if it didn't steal, has to die even if it didn't kill, without a trial, without a whipping, has to go into the pit to be buried. Black forklifts crowd in. No time to say, kill, kill. No time for the blood to splatter onto the shit-smeared walls or light bulbs. No time for the piglets just popped out from the stomach to get skinned and made into cheap, colorful shoes. No time for the pale-faced interrogator wearing dark sunglasses to yell, fess up, fess up. No time to gamble with terror as if skipping rope whether I can survive the torture or not. 
no time to bite the flesh of my mouth as if biting the hand that's hitting my friend's cheek in the next room. No time to tie up hands and feet and pull my head back and force water into me. No time to say, Mommy, please forgive me. I was wrong. I won't do it again. No time to put a towel over my face and pour water from a pot. No handcuff or strap. Every night, I read my country's history of torture. Then in the morning, I open the window and sing loudly at the roofs below the mountain. I have pig who needs to be rinsed with a song, then go. Dear song, please stay stuck to my body for 12 hours. A horde of healthy pigs like young strong men get thrown into the pit. They cry in the grave. They cry standing on two legs, not four. They cry with dirt over their heads. It's not that I can't stand the pain, it's the shame. Inside the grave, stomachs fill with broth, broth with gas. Stomachs burst into the grave. They boil up like a crummy stew. Blood flows out the grave. On a rainy night, fishy-smelling pig ghosts flash, flash. Busted intestine tunnel their way up from the grave and soar above the mound. A resurrection, intestine is alive like a snake. Bloom pig, fly pig, boars come and tear into the pigs. A flock of eagles comes and tears into the pigs. Night of internal organs raining down from the sky. Night of flashing decapitated pigs. Fearful night, unable to discard pig, even if I die and die again. Night filled with pig squeals from all over. Night of screams, I'm pig, pig. Night when pigs bloom, dangling, dangling from the pig tree. Um, the next poet is Kimidim. And um, Kimidim began publishing in the um, uh, 1990s, a decade after Kim Il-sun. So she has been um, influenced by Kim Il-sun's poetry. <coughs> and um, once again, Kim Il-sun um, says um, this perfect uh, thing about Kim Il-sun's poetry. So I will just read a couple of lines. Kim Il-sun's uh, Kim Il poetry appears as poetry. It also appears as prose. As poetry, it's polyphonic, and as prose, it's defiant. Her poetry is the theater of multiple personalities. You hear the voices of hundreds of people, hundreds of things. These naked living things become her poetic subjects. Um, the two poems I'm going to read um, Kim Il-dim uh, grew up in the 1970s um, under Park Jung-hee's dictatorship. So she's mocking um, the state um, official uh, nationalism that she grew up under. I also grew up under that too, so um, I was able to recognize it. Um, 행진. 내가 없어 또 하루가 빛으로 가득할 때 어디로 갈까요? 꽃가루의 계절이 지나면 멈출 거예요. 
빠은 유골 눈보라치는 동산을 넘으며 공장 문을 닫고 기차가 탈선하고 운구 행렬이 지나면 돌아옵니까? 시시해. 나는 새마을 모자를 눌러쓰고 대열 속으로 사랑받지 않을 권리를 얻고 결핍이 준 포만감을 버린다. 행진 이건 쉬워 배급을 기다리다 오리를 키웠다 돌아오지 않는 소악기 돌고 도는 재채기의 계절 돌아오지 않는 적도 동지도 아닌 것 심심해 나는 누더기를 입고 햇빛 속을 걸었다 오리를 키웠다 외딴 집 애벌 바른 벽에는 전나무 실렁이 우물이 있었다 말이 아니라 당나귀 아니라 할아버지가 벗어놓은 군화를 끌고 헛간으로 갔다. 내 군대는 대규모, 눈에 띄지 않을 뿐이다. 꿈을 발사하면 죄의 명중하리라. 몇 밤만 기다리며 내 어미가 올 거다. 공장 문을 닫고 기차가 탈선하고 날 앞장세워 상자 나르기가 진행되었고 번잡한 게 좋아, 무리떼가 좋아, 삼삼오오. 내 주머니에서 쏟아지는 외로워서 죽겠다는 순진한 녀석들 갓난의 발벗은 소녀, 소년 바지 벗은 괴물 이건 또 뭐야 끝이 보이지 않아 대열 속에서 March on This one is easy I wait for my rations I raise ducks The harvest season never arrives But the allergy season keeps coming back Things that don't return are neither my friends nor enemies. I'm bored. I put on my tattered clothes and walk in the sun. I raise ducks. At my house in the middle of nowhere, I have a fur shelf on a, on a mud walk and a well. Into the barn, I drag not the horse nor the donkey, but my grandpa's army boots. My army is enormous but invisible. If you shoot out your dreams, you will hit the bullseye of sin. Your mother will return if you wait a few more nights. The factories will close down, the trains derail, and we'll all start delivering the boxes. I'll be the leader. I like the mob scene. I like being in a pack. Line up, three by three, five by five. My pocket spills innocuous things that complain about loneliness. A newborn, a boy with no shoes, a monster with no pants. Now, what's this? There's no end in sight. Stay in line. 행진 나의 뺨을 만지자 만졌다는 망생에 시달린다. 움직이는 나를 정원에 있는 나를 푸른 꽃 위에 나를 헛간엽 우리 안에 고깃덩어리를 만졌다는 망상에 시달린다. 웅크린 날 
발가벗은 채 웅크린 날 무릎 위에 무릎을 꿇은 나를 강 서, 저쪽에 석양이 상한 오렌지 빛으로 물들이는 나를 붙인 수화물을 불신, 분실하여 출발에 늦고 얼굴과 맞지 않은 영혼에 시달린다 나는 나를 후려친다 꽉 잡으랬지 혼자 잘났어? 나는 나의 테러리스트 대동단결은 우리의 숙명 March on Whenever my cheeks feel flushed I imagine that I'm being touched by a man. I squirm as he touches me. He touches me in the garden. He touches me on the top of a blue flower. I think the man is touching a lump of meat inside the coop next to the barn. I'm curled up naked. I kneel on top of other knees. I'm the color of a rotten orange from the sunset across the river. I'm running late because I have lost the package I mailed. I'm in pain because my soul and face don't match. I slap my own face. Get a grip. You think you're the only one that matters? I'm my own terrorist. The unification of the Korean Peninsula is our destiny. Mugung Hengjin. 너의 나는 내 목을 비틀었다. 저 잠깐만 고온으로 두그로 캄캄한 굴 속으로 들어갔다. 죽은 개를 묵은 끈이나 소가 없는 빈 꽃피를 쥔채 우리는 돌아와 오리를 먹었다. 둥근 들창 아래로 방울방울 떨어지는 시간 끔찍한 평온 잘린 목은 불파, 풀밭에서 튀고 등 뒤뚱거리는 대가리 없는 오리는 강박 없이 걸었다. 우리는 행진 한때는 연달아 뛰어갔고 동시에 땀을 흘리거나 치를 떨었다는 걸 알지만 발자국은 느리다. 다 저물 때까지 없는 발목 가벼워 행진. Infinite march. I belong to you, but I twist your neck. Um, just a moment. To the highlands, to the river bank, to the dark cave we go. Tugging a rope meant for tying up dead dogs or cow nostrils, we return and eat ducks. Droplets of time drip beneath the round window. The peace is terrifying. Chopped heads roll into the grass, but the headless ducks waddle on. We march on. We used to run relays, sweat, and tremble together. Now our ankles are missing. How light we are. March on. 나는 세상을 믿는다. 밤에 걸어도 골목길을 가만히 누가 뒤따라와도 나는 믿는다. 꽃필 것을, 필 것을 믿고 그 지독한 냄새와 부스러기에 과민증에 도줄 것을 믿는다. 흐드러진 흰 꽃의 가치는 쓰러지, 쓰러지는 데 있고 꽃나무 아래 하얀 목덜미를 젖힌 소녀에게 무자비한 사랑이 주어질 것을 믿는다. 가구와 수집품을 밖으로 끌어내고 커튼을 뜯어 젖히고 내 마음을 건드린 소리와 색채에 묻혀 있던 내 몸뚱이를 보라. 사랑이여 무엇을 숨기고 있었는지. 나는 믿는다. 오늘의 뉴스를 믿고 유랑 극단을 믿고 노래와 서커스가 돌아올지 않을 것을 믿는다. 어떤 음악도 독소도 나를 방해하지 않고 설거반도 폭격도 내 식사를 망치지 않는다. 사랑아. 너는 파리처럼 날아왔다. 떠날 것이다. 대충 이러다 멈춰줄 것 믿는다. 뜸하게 물도, 물을 줘도 꽃은 피고 물 주지 않았는데 흙에서 반쯤 나와 피어나는 꽃도 있다. 그런 꽃일수록 끔찍하다. 마스크를 쓰고 밖으로 빠져나간다. 어두운 골목에서 빠져나온 강도가 어쩌면 기다리던 애인일지도. 
살해는 멈추지 않고 강간은 끝나지 않고 전쟁은 더욱더욱 치밀해질 것이다. 우리는 충분치 않은 과오를 나누고 끝내 나아지지 않는 채 사라질 것을 믿는다. I believe in this world. Even when I walk alone at night, even when someone quietly follows me into the back alley, I believe. I believe flowers will bloom. I believe the stink and the pollen will trigger my allergies. I believe in white blossoms because they wither. I believe the girl who reveals her white nape under the flowering tree will receive merciless love. Drag out the furniture and memorabilia, tear open the curtains and look at my body. It is steeped in sounds and colors that touch the heart. My love, oh love, look at what it hides from you. I believe. I believe in today's news. I believe in the traveling theater. I believe that the music and the circus won't ever return. I believe no music or reading will interrupt me. No demolition or bombing raids will ruin my dinner. Oh, love, you'll buzz in and out like a fly. You'll go on like this for a little while, then stop. The flowers bloom even when I barely water them. Some flowers sprout even though the soil is parched. Those kinds of flowers are terrifying. I put on a mask and flee. I believe the thief who escaped from the dark alley might have been my lover waiting for me. I believe the killing won't end. The raping won't end. The more wars will flare up. I believe we'll divvy up our pointless flaws and finally disappear without ever making things good. making sure it's not vodka. <laughs> um, now I'll read um, a couple of poems of mine. This is, um, these poems are actually from my first book, The Morning News is Exciting. And um, I wanted to read um, um, about uh, a poem that's related to the um, the prose uh, piece I wrote for MPT in the refugee issue. And it's called A Journey from Neocolony to Colony. Um, Neocolony, I'm referring to South Korea because um, South Korea has been under the um, political and military control um, uh, under U.S. Um, since 1945. And um, the colony, I'm referring to Hong Kong, that's when we left South Korea um, to live in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong was still a British colony uh, then. She went to Hong Kong in 1972 she was 10 and knew only Korean then. She imagined there were two of her. She imagined me. I grew up in South Korea while she grew up in Hong Kong. I stay where I am. My message to you. 
I was left behind. Home is in layers. Your message to me. Green tea is the norm and nothing is added. In the colony's economy, it is essential that every opportunity should be taken to make oneself known. If you're from an unknown neo-colony, you're nothing and will duly remain so until the date of your departure. Take a sip and stay close to family members. Your luggage will soon absorb the fog. The ferry you are on is in for a surprise, tea and the English. It is now evident that the colony can hope to support its greatly swollen population on a reasonable standard of living. Your language is optional. It is ideal for your new domestic arena, a three-bedroom flat and a balcony big enough to hold you and your sadness. We all appreciate the view of the harbor. Do not search for trees or blossoms. The sparrows will stop chirping after dusk. Do not let your coat weigh you down. There is no winter here. Of course, you may be low. That is the law. Setting up house in the colony usually involves relative safety and uncertainty. Have another sip. Green tea is the norm and nothing is added. Do not let the absence of curfew go to your head. We realize the distance is overwhelming. That is an essential aspect of the colony. If you're from an unknown near colony, it is not necessary to identify yourself. We are not interested. We appreciate rapid growth. My message to you. Home is in layers. I live as if you had never left. I live in the house you were born in and speak your optional language. Here it is winter. I wear your scarf with ribbons and red mittens. I think of you as a child. You have a view of the harbor, and I have a view of the river. The distance is overwhelming. There has been a change in the law. The 1961 law is reinforced by the 1972 law. What follows the law? We are low. Your mother sent the suitcase of used clothes. I wear your sleeveless dresses and smell your fog. My sparrows have no place to go. I don't know if my clouds reach you or not. I think of you as a child. I wait for your return. Your message to me. I know homesickness. It is imaginable and involves collectivity to some degree. It begins with a family in the distance. Safety is nothing. Departure is nothing. Colony is something, but near colony is nothing. Winter is nothing, yet the law is something. Ultimately, you are low. Ideology exists in layers. The colonial is spatial, a descriptive theory, if you will. Dinner, the main meal of the day, originally taken at noon, had gradually been getting later, until in the 18th century it will fall between 3 or 4 in the afternoon. In the early evening came the tea hour, the polite visiting time. Your family may feel awkward at a table. You're now separated by chairs. You now sleep high above the floor under the removable sheets. You dream in layers. The mountain, the sea, the river, the bridge, and the ferry overlap, fold, then depart. Your optional language is likely to deform. 
Your mother may develop a disorder, the price of the inner world. Take your shoes off when you enter the house, but it is not appropriate to do so in front of the law. Home is nothing, and so are you. Clouds fade over time. You must endure the distance. The fog is your home. My message to you. You are gone. Please come. I have your comb. I know homesickness. It unfolds like mother's umbrella. <coughs> I dress your paper dolls, the penciled closet. I paste the bridge, your hairpin in my hair. The river is muddy. I unfold my arms and take off my shoes. I am none. Please come. I have your comb. Be low. Be no. Say no to dinner and fog. Your message to me. Forgetting is lovely and father's well is bottomless. Freud says, the way in which national tradition and the individual's childhood memories are formed might turn out to be entirely analogous. Indeed, a higher authority can shift the aim of the resistance to memory. Madness may be a form of resistance. Forgetting is lovely and father's well is bottomless. In order to remember an incident painful to national feeling, a lower psychic agency must resist the higher authority. However, it is against the law. T enforce memories. Which is lovelier, colony or near colony? The shift in the aim is minor. Forget something, then remember something else. The, lovely, the loveliest of all is the unconscious. It is lively. In defense of nation's paramnesia, tea must be served at all times. Migration, my nation. The family in the distance must be oceans apart. Closeness may lead to nationalism. Follow orderly obsessions. Wash and clean when in doubt. Scrub the edges of your memory. Childhood loneliness can shift its aim. Nation's loneliness is false category. Be fraud. Be law. My message to you. Are you sad? I'm not mad. You sat on father's lap. 1972 was the year of your departure. I remember your flowered shirt and shorts, a hairpin in your hair. Law was becoming and you were leaving. My clouds followed you. Are you lovely? I am lively. My sparrows fly at night across the ocean and remember your flowers. I am not fallow. I follow. Um, I do return, and it's not until 2002. Diary of Return. August 8, 2002. I arrived below the 38th parallel. Everyone and every place I know are below the waist of a nation. Before I arrived, empire arrived. That is to say, empire is great. I follow its geography. From a distance, the waist below looks like any other small rural village of winding alleys and traditional tile-roofed houses surrounded by rice paddies, vegetable fields, and mountains. It reminded me of home, 
That is to say, this is my home. Close up, clubs, restaurants, souvenir and clothing stores with signs in English. That is to say, English has arrived before me and was here even before I had left. Papasan, love shop, pops, golden tailor, pawn. I followed the signs and they led to one of the gates to Camp Stanley, a heliport. That is to say, language is not to be believed, but to be obeyed and to compel obedience. A woman in her 70s lived next to love shop. She was taking an afternoon nap. She has never left below the waist and eventually came to be regarded as a great patriot by her government. That is to say, she followed the signs and suffered from lice infestation during the war and passed the lice onto the GIs. I followed the houses that reminded me of home. They led me to another metal gate and barbed wire. Another woman was having lunch at my sister's place. She did not remember which year she had returned, except that she remembered hearing about the assassination of our father. That is to say, she was here and I was still elsewhere, and the unity of language is fundamentally political. She told me a story with her right index finger. Her finger fiercely pointed to her mouth, then between her spread legs, and then her behind. She had no choice under the GI's gun. That is to say, she had no choice about absolute choice. That is to say, her poverty was without choice. And when absolute choice was forced upon her, she chose a GI. That is to say, she chose empire, because empire is greater than our father. That is to say, she followed and left her daughter to its geography and her index finger had no choice but be fierce on the absolute choice. That is to say, she had arrived home. Thank you.